Bugs. It is the year of bugs. Oh my gosh. And welcome to Wheat Beats Word here on realagriculture.com for Wednesday, July the 29th. On this episode of the words, wheat. Yep, yeah, there's a whole bunch of cool stuff in wheat that I just got to talk about. Then, bugs. It is the year of bugs. Oh my gosh. And we have to control them. We have to do it well. Got to talk about that. Then, lots of cover crop questions and lots of specific questions that I'll get through as many as I can. Let's go. First off, dang it. We are having technical issues. If you are having trouble listening to the word or getting it on your iPad, we apologize. It's on our end. We're doing the very best we can to solve that. Part of it is because Johnson just talks way too long. So, Lindsay Smith, our Real Ag editor, said, Peter, a pox on you if you are over 16 minutes and 18 seconds. I will not cross that line this particular episode. All right, let's go. It is dry out there. Oh, my gosh, we cannot seem to buy a rain. The drought just continues. You think it's bad down here in the southwest? Go to eastern Ontario, up into the Renfrew area where Lindsay is, where Paul Sullivan, my great friend, lives and and is a super crop consultant out there. The winter wheat in that region is 30 to 60 bushels per acre. There is some barley, spring barley, already starting to be harvested in the driest areas out there. And apparently it is 30 bushels per acre. This This is all bad from a dry weather scenario. Just... Nothing you can do about that. Hopefully we get rain. The soybean crop, we can still save it. The corn crop, tremendous variability. A grower said, why is it so variable this year? Like it just, it's all over the map. You know, I think Ken Curra from BASF sent me a text that absolutely says it the best. The soil is telling us about our management and that variability it's it's just micro environments so where the corn is really good there's a bit more organic matter maybe a bit better drainage it's over top of tile and it was a little drier it's handling the drought stress the heat stress much better meanwhile you move just four feet ah, well, for whatever reason it's not quite as well tiled maybe the manure application wasn't as big there or there's something going on the variability out there is absolutely blow your mind and it is as ken says the soil is telling us about our management because of the dry weather that we're dealing with okay want to talk about wheat and unbelievable yields oh my gosh wheat responds to management how many times do i have to say that wheat responds to management best story Steve. Steve is a corn guy, has been a corn guy his entire career, his entire farming life. He loves corn. Last fall, Steve calls me up and says, okay, you always talk about wheat. We're going to try this. Come on. Give me some recommendations. Give me some hints. And I talked to him last fall. He called me up this spring. Ah, are we going to split nitrogen? Yes, you're going to split nitrogen. Steve's wheat averaged 122 bushels per acre across his entire farm. He did split the nitrogen. He did manage the crop. Highest wheat yield ever. So, yes. The other interesting thing is that, man, earlier on, 
the single application wheat looked way better than the split nitrogen wheat. And I, I really thought we wouldn't see much response to split nitrogen this year because we didn't have rainfall to really lose nitrogen. Man, we are still seeing the highest wheat yields I'm getting are all with split nitrogen. That really surprises me. I did not expect that. But yep, Absolutely. Split nitrogen seemed to have paid this year as well. Meanwhile, Jim, remember last week I talked about Jim and the 50 bushel disaster? Jim emailed me back and said, hey, Peter, you know, every once in a while things kind of come together. It's a bit of fun. A farm five miles away from his 50 bushel wheat where he planted earlier little better soil and well-drained soil 120 bushels per acre. So they're both managed exactly the same, both intensively managed. But the 120 bushel wheat planted October 7th. The 50 bushel wheat planted October the 20th. Tougher soil, no drainage. So do, do some things have to come together for you? Absolutely. But as you look across this, and the other thing that is astounding to me is this fungicide response. And we wondered, would we get fungicide response? And some really good growers were second guessing putting fungicide on wheat. Man, the plot results are coming back in and it's very clear. The early planted wheat responded to fungicide. We're getting the five, the eight, the 10 bushels per acre out of that fungicide. When we get into the later, later planted wheat, we get into late October planted wheat and we're seeing almost no response to fungicide. Why is that? Because the later planted wheat put its grain fill period into the drier part of the year. It quit raining. We ran into more drought stress. It put its grain fill period into the hot part of the year, and we just are not seeing the fungicide response. Ever so cool. Okay, so Andrew asking, Peter, you talk always about early seeded wheat. I'm seeing on Twitter some amazing wheat yield with broadcast wheat into standing soys because they got it on early. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely, Andrew. Early planting pays. Uh, how many times can I say that? The problem with broadcast into soybeans, there are some challenges. You've got to up the seeding rate. You do have to worry about slug issues. If you get wet weather when that wheat is germinating, they'll pop the germ end out and frost heave. So can it work? Yeah, absolutely. Mark at Napanee, man, he had some, I think, 128 bushel per acre wheat broadcast into soybeans. So it can work. And if it gets you seeded earlier, maybe we need to look at that more closely. But one way or another, sometimes you get 10% less yield. Uh, you get thin stands around the outside of the field from the slugs. you got to up your seeding rate. There are some some risks with that broadcast into soys. Meanwhile, on sulfur, we kept saying it's a sulfur year, it's a sulfur year, it's a sulfur. Gerard from up in Bruce County sends me his plot results from his sulfur on wheat plots, and he says, I am done, Peter. I am done doing sulfur on wheat. And I kind of respond with, oh, so didn't go, you know, didn't get a response, or no, because it cost me too much in yield. Where he did not put sulfur on his wheat crop, he lost 18, yes, 
18 bushel per acre sulfur response this year. Absolutely incredible. And across the board, I'm getting lots of these 120 versus 180 pound nitrogen rate trials that we asked you to do. Even one from my good friend Russ, where he his standard applications 150, so he went to 100 and or pardon me to 200 pounds. 150 to are you nuts? 200 pounds on wheat. Six bushels per acre across the board. It looks like we have a six bushel response to extra nitrogen, but again, mainly on early planted wheat or wheat planted into good soils with good yield potential where we got into the late planted wheat, we just didn't see that same level of response. Okay, the other, next thing, get it the heck out of the field. This drives me nuts. I've talked about this how many times? Out in the field yesterday, all sorts of combines running because it's getting late in wheat harvest in my part of the world. It's still 17% plus. Shane, my great technician, combining wheat plant plots at Bornholm, and we're doing the long-term P&K, so it's wheat planted between corn and soybeans. Man, wherever the soybeans were on the west side of the wheat, the wheat was 2% drier than where the corn was on the west side of the wheat because the corn was stopping the doggone wind. Wheat sucks up moisture like nothing else. But then I get a question from the areas that, you know, it actually got dry. And the question from Steve was, how much yield loss do I actually get from 12% wheat versus 14% wheat? And it's not just 2%. You actually have to do some math. It works out 12% wheat is the equivalent of a 2.3% yield loss. On $7 wheat, a 2.3% yield loss is 16 cents per bushel. I can combine wheat at 16.5% moisture, and what do they charge me? Eh, about 16 cents a bushel, give or take, depends on the elevator, but man, you, you might as well get good quality wheat out of the field at anything less than 17. Uh, Shane was combining wheat at 19% and it was going through the combine fine. And I there's not that much added drying cost even at 19%. Get it out of the field with good quality because if it gets over dry, you've lost just as much in yield as you actually paid in drying cost. By the way, hats off. There are a couple of independent elevators out there who are actually taking wheat and only shrinking it. If it's below 17% moisture, their answer is it's such better quality. We want it out of the field. We aren't going to charge you drying on soft red, on soft white, on hard red, on any of it. As long as it's under 17% moisture, it's shrink only. Good on you for doing that. That's awesome. Okay, we got to move on. We got to talk about bugs. It's dry. It's hot. What do we get? We get bugs, in particular spider mites. So, be careful. There's lots of leaf chewing going on in the soybean crop and the edible bean crop, but you need at least 15%, maybe 20% leaf defoliation. We just aren't there. Andy called me up, said, Peter, you know, I just, I think I'll just spray this because there's so many red-headed flea beetle, Japanese beetle, what uh, bean leaf beetle there's all these ins bugs there we're just going to spray it and spray it with a product with some residual and it'll be done for the season oh stop wait a minute 
What about spider mites? Because the products give us residual on all those other bugs. They don't control spider mites. And spider mites are what are really sneaking up on us. So scout for the spider mites. Leaf defoliation looks bad, but it's not nearly as bad as spider mite damage. We're starting to spray a lot of spider mites. It must be dimethoate. It's the only product that actually controls the spider mites. And by the way, all the other products control all the other bugs, but they also kill the beneficials. We don't want to do that. The other thing that Andy said, okay, so we're going to use 60 PSI because we want, you know, good coverage, 60 PSI, 20 gallons, and a fine droplet. Oh, no, dang it. This fine droplet thing is a myth, an absolute myth. I, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Jason DeVoe and Tom Wolf have already busted that myth, but if they haven't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send this to them because fine droplets drift. And the only way that fine droplets give you better coverage is if there's no wind or if you're using an air blast sprayer. And if there's no wind, I think they hang in the air long enough that they may not go where you want them to anyway. You need a medium coarse droplet. You have to get the droplet to the target. Unless you have an air blast sprayer, man, I, fine droplets are just a thing of the past. Lots of water, 20 gallons minimum, maybe 25, maybe 30 if you can. But it, it droplet size, not fine. We got to get away from that thought process. Meanwhile, uh, leaf hopper, man, there are leaf hoppers out there like crazy. So alfalfa, after every cut, you need to scout for leaf hopper and, and spray. Edible beans, you've sprayed once, man, you only get 14 days or something like that. We, we just have to there's so many leaf hoppers out there. We have to stay on top of them. On that note, Lindsay sending me an email. Lindsay Smith, Real Agriculture, uh, farms up in that Ottawa area where it's super dry, has new seedings, you know, and the st establishment is pretty good, but there's some foxtail starting to go to seed. There's some lamb's quarters poking up above the canopy. There's a few flowers starting to show up on the alfalfa, the red clover, the legumes that are in that pasture blend. And she says, do we cut it? Like, what do we do with that? Absolutely. If you have flowers on the legumes, that's they've already built some root reserves. Cut it. Don't let those weeds go to seed. Take what you can and let the legumes and the good grasses regrow because they will do that much better than the weed species will. But, Lindsay, leafhopper, scout, 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 and spray immediately if you hit that threshold. Okay, after we move on, talk about western bead cutworm. We're just about to peak flight. So from Tracy Bowdy, the, the moth numbers have just been ramping up crazy this last week, and we're into week 10, and they're still going up, so probably this is peak flight. If you sprayed your fungicide plus your western bean cutworm insecticide on your corn more than seven days ago, yeah, the, we didn't really have the moth flights there. And you get seven days for sure residual out of products like Corrigin, maybe 10, 14's pushing it. Hopefully we get enough residual because the moths are laying eggs now. And if we've had it on for 14 days, uh, it's all, all risky. 
However, the real risk, late tasseling corn, corn like my own corn that's a little bit later tasseling, the moth flight is peaking, it's tasseling, those are the fields that are really attractive to the moths, get out there and scout, that's where I think we may, may have to control, even if we didn't think we were going to spray a fungicide, we may have to control for those western bean cutworm and edible beans. If the corn crop is not attractive, they're going to go to the edible bean crop. Chris Defonzo, Michigan State entomologist, great article, we'll link it here on edible beans and western bean cutworm essentially you spray seven days after peak moth flight if you are seeing moth counts in your general area of over 150 per trap so uh, if you're on sand soil you're in one of those areas man it's one of those years you might have to spray your edible beans for western bean cutworm and you can't scout for the darn thing so dang it that's a real pain dang i'm almost out of time forage oats if you're growing forage oats it's a 70 pound seeding rate 50 pounds of nitrogen and you'll have to spray them with a fungicide if your oats are just for cover crop it's a 30 pound 35 pound seeding rate that's all you need last if you have a good stand of red clover but you have flea bane or ragweed coming spray the red clover with half a liter of low volatile ester mcpa you'll take out the ragweed you'll stop the flea bane from going to seed you won't kill the red clover that's it that's all i'm out of time on behalf of the team here at realagriculture.com this is Week Geek with the Word for Wednesday, July the 29th. Keep those questions coming. We'll talk to you next Wednesday.